This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Polikin, and with me today are my good friends, Pedro Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do And our topic today is on small dog aggression, small dog reactivity, the problems that dog owners can run into with small dogs, because let's face it, we've all seen the little dog going at the end of the leash, and it's not pretty. Inside the purse. Or inside the purse or the tote bag. And this was a listener had contacted us, and she has a small dog. I won't say her name because she might not want us to say it, but a listener. And she asked if we would talk about this a little bit. Why are some dogs more reactive than others, and how can it be managed? So, Kate, you're the... Well, we've all had little dogs. I haven't had... I had Papillons, but I haven't had a little dog in many years. I still have a little... Pedro has one, yes. Who the when you just gave a haircut to? <laughs> he, he just scared the you know what out of my puppies. I have seven the other day. She wouldn't go into Pedro's house. I I still think I can just picture Benji going in front of the mirror and he looks himself in the mirror and he's an American bulldog. Yeah, yeah. instead you know, of a Pomeranian. He's really a Pomeranian. He's a Pomeranian. <laughs> but then yeah. you know he's just like the stocky little Pomeranian and he probably looks at him. Ah, yep, that's me right there. <laughs> yeah, scare anybody. <laughs> with a crown on his head. <laughs> yeah. And then, Kate, you've got Quill, the Jack Russell, and you've had multiple small dogs in the past. A Walter, and then the, the two little poodles. And... Then, oh, and Katie, no, yeah, I forgot about no. Katie. Katie's not aggressive. She just screams that there's food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the reasons that dogs in general can be aggressive and maybe more particularly small dogs. I mean, I think if dogs are, what am I say, full, if they go too much, do too much, aren't given enough time to rest, I think they just get on edge. And I think it's too easy with little ones to throw them in the tote bag, take them everywhere, wind them up, wind them up and never let them really relax. So I just think they're constantly, not constantly, but quite often on edge. Got that adrenaline high going on all the time. Added to the fact that, you know, they're little. They're vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah, try to get the, to the same level of a small dog. The world is huge. Yeah. The world is scary. You're like looking under everything. You know, that could step on you or sit on you. Well, and I remember that from the Papillons. My Papillon Chocho was very well trained and he and I went to obedience competitions and he did well and we went to a major nationwide obedience competition and while we were healing doing the heel exercise heel off leash <laughs> and there's another country in heard from, doing the healing competition off leash in one of our classes there was artificial turf put down and as we were walking along, Chocho disappeared. What? There was a hole in the ground. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and the big dogs could just step over it or step in it, but it was deep enough that Chocho just went, whoop. <laughs> but he came back up and resumed the heel, 
And when we finished the exercise, the judge was laughing so hard he was crying. And he said, I'm not taking any points off for that because it wasn't his fault. And he resumed the heel position. He wasn't flustered. You know, he came back up and resumed the heel position. But meanwhile, I didn't know what happened. So I'm asking the judge, what happened? And the judge said, after you walked by, he said, I stepped on the artificial turf and it is covering a hole. And so when Chocho walked on it, he went, <laughs> but, oh you know, that's something that a tiny dog is going to face, but a big dog's not going to face at all. Yeah, yeah. So you think about the difference in the world that the little dog is facing. I did finally find that article I've been looking for for a long time. And somebody took the sizes of dogs mm-hmm. versus average size of humans. Mm-hmm. If humans varied as much as dogs do, mm-hmm. then humans would be from three feet high mm-hmm. to 31 feet high. Oh my oh, God. Wow. Well, three feet, there are people who are wow. that small. But, but living in a, a world of 31 feet? Yeah. And, and that's the extreme. So let's say that the median was 20 feet. Our houses, our cars, everything. <laughs> The like food the bill. Land of the giants. I'm dating myself oh my with that one. The but food bill. Yeah. That's crazy. So imagine yourself a three-footer in a land of 20-footers at the minimum. So there's your average. little chihuahua and the tallest Great Dane yeah. you could be. Well, when I had wow. the Papillons, when I had Chocho, I had two German Shepherds, both of whom were, one was 90-some pounds and one was 110 pounds. Thankfully, they were very respectful of him. And they didn't run over the top of him, but he was seven pounds. A couple of months ago, a woman had me out for a private training, and I'm like, this is just the wrong. She had a 10-year-old chihuahua, small for a chihuahua, very, very sweet, very, very mild. And she had just adopted a seven-month-old Rottweiler boy oh, dear. with no training and, and no manners. And he wanted to play with the squeaky toy. Yes. Oh, and the fair. chihuahua was terrified and one of the first questions she asked me was well should i just put them down and let them work it out Uh, Uh, no 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 somebody had actually told her that oh and and she was willing to try it no it takes one swipe of his foot and break that back back. she's she's done for yeah telling her they need she needed to keep them separate until she got the rottweiler under control and i love rotties yeah. But it was just not the right mixture for the house and not fair to the anyway. So sometimes I think little dogs are treated too much and we call them toy breeds, like toys, and not as living, breathing creatures. And we overwhelm them. Or expect them to stand up for themselves when they can't. Right. And they have the same needs as larger dogs. They need to be socialized. But they need to be socialized with care. Don't take them to the dog park and Oh, God. And yeah. do with all the big dogs. Some, and we're not, if you've listened to us, you know we're not fans of most dog parks. But some dog parks do have small dog areas. Take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Let them see the big dogs through the fence, but don't let them fence fight. Even um, in my puppy play periods, where the dogs are pretty close to the same age. I mean, we've got the... Burndoodle, the big one? Well, and we've got the very, very young Collie. Oh, yeah. she's tiny. Yes. Yeah, you know, all the way up to yeah. uh, knocking on teenage door, big-footed German Shepherd. Yeah. So I do have separate areas. <laughs> yeah. 
to keep people, keep the pups safe. Because mm -hmm. it's they shouldn't be playing together. Right. And it's socialization. That idea that all dogs love to be petted. So take a little one and you carry them around and then let people maul them. Oh my right. god, you're so cute! Don't let them have enough rest and then, you know, make sure that they get mauled all the time. After a while, I'd be in the bottom of the tote bag going, don't touch me! Yeah. I yeah. think one of the important things that, that small dog owners, and I say small dog, not just the toys, but small dog owners, find a friend or a neighbor with a well-trained, friendly, larger dog. So that the... Adult. Adult. So that the smaller dog can find out that not all big dogs are dangerous and not all big dogs are scary. And as that small breed puppy then grows up, he's not going to automatically assume that all big dogs are horrible and he should bark and scream first. Yeah. Uh, let him meet one or two or three that will lay down and let him sniff and explore and play gently. And oh. keep it to that. You're no dog, but especially the little ones, need to meet every dog on a walk. Oh, right? amen. Right. Yeah. Oh, but I must socialize them. It's not socialization if you're doing it wrong. Then you're just teaching your puppy dog to fear other dogs. Yeah. And then one of our ongoing pet peeves, small dogs need training too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the little dog who is constantly screaming and hollering at all the big dogs is eventually going to lose that battle. At some point, the big dog is going to say, stop it. Yeah. And there's only going to be one winner there. So the little dogs need training too. And if the little dogs are, they can protect it from the big rowdy dogs. And we'll talk in a minute on how to do that without reinforcing the fear. But protect the little dog from the big rowdy dogs but then have him behave himself in the meantime. You want your dog to trust you, but you also want to be able to tell your puppy dog whether a situation is good or bad and what they should do in that situation. Right. That's remember, not going to happen unless they trust you. Right. And I remember with Keely, um, she did great with obedience. I love training that little stinker. AKA the Wolverine. <laughs> Female Pomeranian. Female <laughs> Pom. But I also listened to her when it just got too rowdy yeah. with the other, I mean, everything was bigger than her. But she would come in and say, hey, mom, you know, either pick me up or put me somewhere. And she was, you know, a lot of times I just put her in the wagon and she's like, okay, I'm good. I'm out of the. I need to be out of the middle of this mosh pit. Yeah. And listen to him. Don't go, oh, no, you need to get used to it. No, no, there's no reason to force him into it. No, pull him out. Yeah, yeah. Little dogs have a lot of spirit, mostly. <laughs> okay, if that's what you want to call it. I do. I, I'd also call it attitude. <laughs> when you're three feet tall in a world of 20 footers, you got to strut your stuff. You have to know you're there, right? But it, yeah, just so they don't absentmindedly step on exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Excuse me, you, I'm down here, uh, but doing it in a polite way. Yeah. Well, we, we have to humans. talk about Walter and Bashir. Yeah. Walter was Kate's cockapoo, and he wasn't a toy cockapoo, but he was smaller than everybody else in the Kindred Spirits crew. Bashir was my last Australian shepherd, and at some point, 
during their youth, and I don't remember exactly when it happened because it was kind of gradually. At some point, Bashir decided he needed to help protect Walter. Was Walter in a temper? Well, temper. the other dogs would run over the top of Walter or be physical, and then Walter would lose his temper. And then the chance was that one of the bigger dogs would then turn around and fight back or retaliate. So at some point, Bashir decided that when Walter got himself in a situation, Bashir would just go over and being the good sheepdog that he was, he would just split it up. Or sometimes when it got too rowdy, he would just go over to Walter and just stand there. And Walter learned that Bashir was being a buffer. And it was, to me, I love watching dog body language. And it was fascinating just to watch the, I don't, even know what to call it. The partnership between the two? It was a friendship. It was a friendship, yeah. But watch the two of them. And unfortunately, Bashir went first. He passed away first, as the larger dogs do. And Walter had about three years without Bashir. And it was kind of sad because Walter yeah. was losing his eyesight and his hearing, and he really could have used Bashir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's not like my terrier was going to help him down the hallway. No, he would have helped him in another way. Here, here's the Rainbow Bridge. Go now. (laughs) But yeah, um, Walter was great that he had that friend protector. Yeah, for quite a few years. Yeah. And yeah. So if your dog doesn't have that, you have to be that for your dog. Then you have to be that. Yeah. Well, let's take a break for one of our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey there, so we have a new sponsor with an interesting, wonderful product. The product is called Daily Dose, and it's a dental treat for your puppy dog, so it's designed to help clean their teeth and the ingredients in it, as well as the structure of it. But the added bit to this is that you can choose whether it's a dental treat that also supports skin health, or a dental treat that does heart health, or joint health, or a dental treat that also is calming for your puppy dog. Developed by vets to be simple to use, simple and effective, one a day, and you can choose the additional benefits for your dog in addition to teeth help. For $3 off your order, visit yourpetsdailydose.com and use promo code DOGWORLD. One chew a day for a happier, healthier dog and a long life. Are you listening to this right now with a cell phone clenched between your teeth as you frantically flip pages on your paper calendars? Or are you a new breed of groomer, bred for speed and efficiency of movement? 123Pet software automates your communications, doing the reminding, confirming, thanking, and marketing for you. 123Pet centralizes your schedule, employees, clients, inventory, and more. 123Pet is the business management software you need. Start minding your business today. Visit 123PetSoftware.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. We're talking about little dogs. Let's talk about dog-on-dog interactions that can cause a little dog to be reactive. What our listener had said, and actually we've heard from a couple listeners, what our listener had said is that her dog tends to react to big dogs first. Sure. And, you know, that can come from a bad experience with a big dog. 
if a big dog has turned around to the little one and said, Joe, you're a squeaky toy, or if the <clears throat> little dog hasn't been socialized well to a big dog, there's a lot of different things. So what can we do about that reactivity to make life safer for the little dog? What I really prefer to do is to, uh, to change the little dog's emotion about seeing the big dog. So it's probably a combination of fear and frustration, sort of jumping up and down going, hey, you don't even think about coming over here. I'll eat you from the inside out. Oh, no, so, no, that was cute. Yes, that was cute. <laughs> that was a joke with her all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is why we called her, a.k.a. the Tasmanian <laughs> Devil. Wolverine. 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 Well, you got to get and, your superhero straight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, changing the emotional response of a puppy dog is not that easy, but it can be done. What I first do is load a word, a cue, a signal to my dog by just pairing it up with something wonderful. Like we do when we're teaching the calm, we use a shaker. Shake, 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 sound of food, treat, hit, calm, good. So, high value treat, chicken. Um, so I'll use the word like nice and then food, nice food, nice food. Then having the, never good. mind, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm a step ahead. Go okay. ahead. Then we need to take that cue of nice means something wonderful is coming and do it in the presence of what previously caused the puppy dog to lose their mind. At a distance. At a distance. And the nice thing about using food as the reward is that if your little one can't eat the food, then it means you're too close. You're too close to that big thing. A dog won't eat if they are worried, fearful. Uh, if you're going to have to fight or flight, you don't want anything in your belly. So if your dog can't take the food, then you know you need to move back and give them time to go, oh, okay, I'm alive. Then start trying to change their emotions. And I've told people in the past, um, you won't see me going into the dog park, but I might drive there and park two blocks away and wait for dogs to walk by. And as no matter what the little one does, it gets treated and rewarded in the presence of the big dog, as long as he'll take the treats. And I just got an email from uh, one of my clients the other day that said that it took a little while, but now her dog goes bark and then runs to her. Because I, I only bark once, Mom. Do I get my treat now? Great. And it's a happy bark. It's just a notification. There's a dog. But then reorients back to Mom. And I think it's important to say that this can take time oh yeah and it can take a number of training sessions and we're talking months and yeah, don't quite likely don't make don't draw the training session until you're both emotionally drained and exhausted the first tra first few training sessions maybe two minutes and that may be enough maybe three minutes one client said she actually uh recorded a dog commercial that would previously set her dog off on the TV. Oh. So she could just play it back mm -hmm. and find the right distance in her house mm -hmm. and slowly creep up on replaying that video until the dog was like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Or that dog, that dog in my living room means good things. And then take it elsewhere. So it's not just the dog on TV. Or if you're working with a real live large dog, maybe a neighbor's dog when you're working at a distance, when your dog is small dog isn't reacting to that dog, then you have to find another dog. Yeah. Because your dog may say, oh, that Australian Shepherd down the street is fine. He's not saying all dogs that size are fine. He's saying that particular dog is fine. That's such a hard thing for 
people to figure out. People in general are really good at generalizing. And dogs aren't. Mm -hmm. They're horrible at it. Yeah. You've got to do like about 200 episodes with different things. Mm -hmm. Before, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Same thing with all of them. Good example of that. Seven is not a little dog. She's a medium-sized dog. She's probably 46 pounds, I guess, maybe 48. But since my husband's passed away, and in this era of COVID, she hasn't been exposed to many men. So on the trip... We both, both our girls haven't. We noticed that. There were two men on our trip, not traveling with us. We didn't find the right ones to pick up for them, (laughs) but, you know, COVID. It's hard to tell what they look like behind the masks. Yeah. But anyway, Tony's dad, Ray, a friend of ours, dad, and then our hosts up in Oregon, Deb and Dan, Ray is boisterous, louder, bigger, and he helped raise Seven and Willow as puppies in the litter, and they recognized him kind of, sort of, but he's bigger and louder and rowdier. Dan is a very quiet man and very soft-spoken, and... They took to him first. It took a little while. Seven yeah. was a little, eh, you're not like the others. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're a different kind of person. And then she was going to him, putting her chin on his leg. He was feeding her food from the table, and I was not paying attention because, you know, that's you not allowed, but it was a good thing. Sure. It worked because they all loved Dan, and yeah, at the end of that, they're like, hey. Yeah. But, uh, and then on the second day, they were... Seven was getting used to Ray going, wait a minute, I think I know you. And But it was a matter of not forcing either Willow or Seven up yeah. to the guys, letting them investigate, letting the men provide a good thing good happening. Yep. And I basically just watched to make sure there was no panic, no extra fear, no bad experiences involved in it. And, and you know how to read body language. And reading body language. Somebody was trying to give a dog a treat that the dog didn't know them. And it's like, well, he's, he's reaching for the treat. Yeah, but all of his weight is on his back legs. His eyes are wide open. His ears are back. He wants that food desperately, but he's sure it's a trap. That's not going to change how he feels about you. And no especially, like so many people do, they give the treat, and then they reach with the other hand to pets. And they're staring right. at the dog in the meantime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Toss the food and walk away. Or when the dog comes to you, yeah. like they did with Dan was quiet enough, they came up to him. Well, then and you can re- Dan had some crab. Ah. <laughs> and he cut one of the crab legs, he pulled the meat out of, and he cut it up into little bitty pieces. And then without even looking at Seven, he reached down with a piece of crab. And Seven was going, whoa, stinky good food. Oh, my God, that stinks. That's so good. And then her chin went on his thigh, and he was just another piece, and he wasn't even looking. And in my head, I'm going, perfect, perfect, perfect. (laughs) And after that, that, the rest of our visit there, she was, hi, Dan. (laughs) You're my bestie. So making it a good experience. Making it a good down. experience. Taking Short your time. Taking don't, your time. Don't force I, it. So many dog owners want it to happen right now. You practice too much, and then you've got your, your the puppy dog uh, jangly. One of my words. It's just 
overworked. Yeah. Overworked, overwrought, and not able to relax and enjoy the message. Yeah. So you got to watch the dog. Yeah. And see if they're ready for another introduction to another thing. All right. Well, let's take a break for our second sponsor. And then when we come back, we'll talk about what happens when your dog's already wired and reacting and what can you do to manage it. So hold on. Take a listen to our sponsor. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, more to be exact. We have another sponsor for our podcast, Pet Treater. Pet Treater is a subscription gift box that you can sign up for, for your dogs and or your cats. And it gives you a chance to surprise them on a monthly basis with interactive toys, treats, and other things like the one we got came with a bandana. I recently received one for Willow. She loved it. She was so excited just me opening that box. The bison treats, especially in this box, she oh, really they lost their mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They lost her mind. The nice thing about the box, too, is that it can be tailored to fit your pets. So if you've got a 50-pound dog, or you've got a cat, or you've got a dog and a cat, or if you're, one of your pets has allergies, the box can be tailored to them. And nowadays, right now, while we're filming this with COVID, most of us are spending a lot more time with our pets. But that doesn't mean you can't add something better to it. New toys, new treats, treats for training. And the subscription boxes vary. You can start as low as $15 a box. And then you, you and your pet can have fun opening it together and seeing what's in it. And then if you're obsessed with sharing photos of your pets, as I am, as you can tell all over Facebook, you can connect with other animal lovers on the Pet Treater site. So take a look at it. Go to PetTreater.com. And if you do it now, you can use the coupon code DOGGYDOG, D-O-G-G-Y-D-O-G, all one word. You use that coupon, you'll get 50% off on your first month of your subscription. So that's Pet Treater, P-E-T-T-R-E-A-T-E-R, PetTreater.com. Check them out. 50% off, that's a deal. There you go. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back. Okay, so you're on a walk. You turn a corner and there's a big dog heading your way and your little dog goes, Oh my God, I'm going to die! What do you do? Well, that exactly happened. One of our students just recently has a little uh, doodle, maybe the size of Walter. Okay. And every time he comes in, he goes, well, we have this blind corner we take for a walk. And every time he goes around that corner, there is somebody with a bigger dog. Change your route. And, <laughs> and that's why I said, I go, well, why do you keep going around that same blind corner then? Doctor, it Either. hurts when I do this. <laughs> Quit doing that. You don't go somewhere else. Or if I go get a really long mirror on a handle and see who's around the corner first. And he goes, every single well, stop going that way. Yeah. Because and the dog now is because you walk around the corner and it's already getting all wound up and then it goes and then boom, there's a 
big dog right there. Practice makes perfect. They're practicing that dog going crazy there. I blew the minds of most oh of the puppy class the other day when I said, you know, you don't have to take your dog for a walk every day. Oh, yeah, you should see the look at everybody. What? That's been so ingrained in, in the dog owning culture, though, that you're not a responsible dog owner unless you take him for what? I don't even know if this is true, but the rumor was that in Germany they were actually trying to pass a law that you had to take your dog for a walk. Oh, I don't know. I had read that. I'd read it about somewhere. I don't know if it yeah. was Germany. But, but I'm, yeah. I'm hoping it wasn't true or Denmark or something. Yeah, anyway, I'm hoping it's not yeah. true because not, it's not good for every dog. And for a reactive dog, they need some time to chill. August and September <clears throat> here in San Diego get pretty darn hot. There's been a few mornings I've gotten out of bed, walked outside, and went, nope, we're not walking. Well, the weekend that you and I were on our trip, you guys hit like 108 down here. Oh, no. Yeah. Those people my were, dog, your dog, and my dog were in the house with my aunt all day. Yeah. Those people were getting up at 4 a.m. to take their dog for the necessary walk. No. Before it got too hot. Oh. And then trying to go on to a day of work. And in this era of COVID, we're recording this during COVID. There have been a lot of days that I've done trick training. I've done hide and seek with my dogs. Brain I've hit, games. played brain games, practiced obedience exercises, gave them something to chew on while on a downstay. Yeah. We didn't go for a walk. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessary. <laughs> and, and in fact, if a dog gets a walk every day at the same time, then he's going to expect it. And when you need to change that routine, it's going to be so stressful. Yes. So even when I do walk, I may walk first thing in the morning, especially if it's going to be warm, or I may wait until later in the evening because I live in a good neighborhood. I can walk. I'm walking three dogs. I can walk in the evening. When it's cooler, I may walk at noon, especially if I'm working at the computer for a good part of the day. Taking the dogs out at noon when it's a nice temperature out is a good break for me. But a lot of days I'll do something else. We've been doing lots of trick training and lots of brain games. And, and working the, the brain is exercise too. The, the puppy owners' brains were blown, blown they, apart. They were. Staring at me. Going, whoa, 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 how do we act? I'm like, look, you've got two of you. One's standing. You live in a townhouse. Great. You've got a hallway. Each end of the hallway, call puppy dog back and forth and feed him his dinner whenever he gets to you. Yeah. Just a few pieces at yeah. a time. You'll get lots of exercise and you're practicing the come. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Okay, we've taken a tangent as we always do. If you're a regular <laughs> listener, you know we have tangents. But so not going for the walk reduces the frustration that right. has built up. Right. Especially if you're going the same route. And then Say they've gone a different route and they've met a big dog and the little dog goes off, scoop him up, scoop him up remove him from the problem. Again, I like to practice ahead of time. So um, there are a lot of trainers out there doing YouTube videos that'll show you how to make an emergency U-turn sure. and do it happy. Yeah. So it's not like you're fleeing from the big dog, but you oh, do, look, we're going to go this way. And yeah. you do not want the little dog to become a kite at the end of your yes. Take that with you. Uh, and if you need to scoop him up, because. I know yeah. with Chocho, with the Papillon, he was seven pounds. He came into this world with an attitude and left this world with an attitude. And there were a number of times, especially at dog shows, that the best thing I could do was lift him up, tuck him under my arm, make my apologies to the owners of the big dog, and just move. Talking to him, trying to have him do a leave it, worked if 
I could do it before he started going off. If I saw his body language start to tense and his little bitty beady <laughs> eyes were looking at a Belgian tavern, I could tell him, Chocho, leave it. And he'd go, all right. But he was also a very well-trained dog. But if he was already in mid-reaction, it was too late for leave it. I just, his adrenaline was going. I needed to pick him up, get him out of there, take him to a quiet spot, look him in the eyeballs and go breathe, dude. And when his adrenaline went down, then I could talk to him. But if he was already reacting. Once they start reacting, it's there's, they're static on the radio signal. Yeah. They just can't even hear your commands. And a couple of things you can practice ahead of time, which you did with Chocho. Practice getting them excited and calming them down. Mm -hmm. Having a puppy dog who can calm themselves down quickly, that's a muscle they have to exercise. Chocho lived with two German Shepherds. <laughs> They weren't going to let him get away with a whole lot. They were very kind to him, and they were very gentle. And I think they thought I'd lost my mind when I brought that squeaky toy home. I'm sure they thought that. But lived both German Shepherds. I remember with Keely, actually, when we got to a point she was going to react, I actually had taught her to hide her head. So when I picked her up, she'd hide her head like in the crib of my, the elbow. Just, I'm just she'd tuck it mechanism. away. Yeah, she was tucking away, and then she couldn't calm down. And I was just reading the other day that if a puppy dog has a big adrenaline rush, it can take three days before the adrenaline works out of the dog's body. So another good reason not to go for a walk for the next two or three days. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope we've given you a lot of things to think about. And I hope our listeners who have written to us about reactive little dogs have some ideas, both training, socialization, what to do before something happens getting your dog out of a problem. All, we've supplied a lot for you, so I hope that helps. Training before the situation. Before the situation. Not in it, right? Yes, yes. Don't go looking for big dogs to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes, makes it work until you have coping skills. Right. And a dog who trusts you and a dog who is well-rested. And when you do the training, find a well-trained adult dog who's very patient and don't put that little dog in the big dog's face. No. You know, give them a chance. Use the video first. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. And, <laughs> and, and realize that this is going to take time. Yeah. Habits are not easy to change, especially when a puppy dog thinks it's a life or death habit. And yeah. adrenaline can be addictive. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, if and you... Sadly, it can be a life or death situation for yeah. some small dogs. Yeah. Right? Yep. Lost a couple of clients. Yep. All right. Well, that's it. Hope we've given you some things to think about. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.